Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for the heart-stopping, fun-loving, hard-rocking, booty-shaking, love-making, Super Bowl-quaking, history-making, legendary Screen Pass Podcast. to Screen Pass, the show about American football in popular culture. I'm Sheehan, and with me, as always, is the man in the left shark costume himself, Justin Barber. How are you doing, man? Are you feeling super? Whoop, whoop. I'm feeling real good. How are you doing, Sheehan? I'm good. It is Super Bowl time, and you know what that means? It's bracket time for us. Love it. Love it. Last year, we had a good little bracket. We did uh, Super Bowl commercials. What are we going to do this week, Sheehan? We didn't really decide whether we were talking about the best, the most iconic, the most important. We are going to find, let's say, the greatest Super Bowl halftime show. There's a lot of factors that go into that. Yep. I think we will take it in some strange, weird directions as we tend to. What makes a good halftime show for you? I think there's a lot of things. You know, you you mentioned a lot of factors already. I think performance, it's the actual music, whether I like it or if I like who's doing it, whether it's iconic, how iconic was it? Like some of these aren't as good, but they're more iconic. And lastly, one of the factors I was tending to put myself in as I was looking at these shows is how much would I like to see it? Would I rather be at that football game and watch that show rather than another one? That makes sense. How about you? I like the surprise. I like seeing there's an act And liking them more than I thought I would. And there were definitely some of those in this process that I was blown away by artists that I wouldn't normally like or, you know, I I have certain connotations or or um, or history with. And I was like, you know what? That was fucking awesome. Right. And I think that's kind of what you want from that Super Bowl halftime show. It is. They say it's the biggest stage in the world. It's yours for that 12 to 15 minutes, and we've seen people own it in certain ways. We've pe- seen people screw it up in certain ways, so it's going to be exciting to dive back into. I had a lot of fun watching these. Yeah, me too. And there was some that I had forgotten about, you know, and some I don't know if I even saw, you know, so it, with particularly the older ones. I'm like, did I even see that? I don't even remember that one. And then some brought back some memories. It was a fun trip down memory lane. Yeah, for sure. I had a couple that were etched in my memory from, for whatever reason. Right. Um, They're just sort of intimately tied to the game. So it was good to kind of go back and revisit those. Now, I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to go into a little bit of a speech and then I will come back to you for your answer. So the question here, and I'm going to give you some thinking time, is of everyone living dead of all time, who would you most like to see own that stage for 12 to 15 minutes. Whilst you're thinking about that, I'm going to just run you through a quick potted history of the Super Bowl halftime show. So way back at Super Bowl one, and for so long, they had your classic halftime shows, your marching bands, a salute to this, a salute to that, fucking Mickey Mouse, Snoopy, Louis Armstrong on the trumpet, all sorts of very sterile traditional halftime entertainment like you would at a college game. The sort of stuff that we saw when we watched Gus, where you are bringing in a donkey to do the halftime show to keep people in their seats. Right. That all changed. I'm sure we'll get into this because he is on the list we're going to talk about. Michael Jackson in 1993 took it to a new level. And from there, it has grown to what it is now. What you may not know, uh, if you don't 
follow the sport too closely is it was so boring that the sketch show in living color would do a halftime special. People would turn off the Super Bowl, go and watch that. They had a, a timer in the bottom corner watching Jim Carrey and the Wayans brothers and all those guys absolutely tear it up, then switch back on for the Super Bowl. Advertisers hated it. The broadcasters hated it because they were losing the ad revenue. They weren't getting bang for the buck. The younger audience were turning off. And you've got to remember, if you're having a Super Bowl party, this is the time you lick it up. You may be not paying as much attention to the game. You've got to keep people focused in. So that's where it sort of went to, bigger names. And that's kind of where we start tonight. It's it's since that Michael Jackson through to the modern day. We're not going back to Elvis Presto and his magic show or like the Grambling State Marching Gophers or fucking Carol Channing. No. We are back to MJ as our first. Right. With that in mind, who would you like to see doing that halftime show? <sighs> see, that's tough. Alive or Dead, that's a pretty big bandwidth. And if we're talking in the f- time frame after MJ, going through all these, I noticed there's a, a theme on the type of music that they would pick. Normally, it was really popular. I did notice as a 90s kid, someone born and raised in the 90s, you didn't get a lot of like that grunge era music that was really popular. I would have loved to see some show like that with Nirvana up there. You know, just those guys throwing the Soundgarden or Alice in Chains, like some of those like just grungy musicians that were so popular at the time. Nirvana was the number one album at the time, but music like that just didn't get any love on big stages like that. So that's one that came to mind. That's definitely the era where they were still doing like the, here's a bunch of acts that we're going to do a medley of all of them. Talk about some of those, but I could definitely see You know, uh, the NFL salute to grunge music with Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Nirvana and all of them just trying to be sadder and angrier than each other one after another. And we got a lot of that during that time frame. I mean, MTV is pretty much a joke in my opinion now, but the MTV Music Awards used to be a really big thing in the 90s. And I remember this is, I guess, what's kind of pulling this out is I remember Nirvana was going on stage and they told them very specifically, you cannot play one song. You cannot play rape me. And the second they got out there, he starts doing the intro to it and everyone knew it and everyone lost their mind. And it was like that kind of era of, for me, that was kind of my true rock star era, all those guys. So I would have liked to see that. I mean, there's some huge names. If we're going back through time, we'll touch on this a little bit in this, but the Beatles would have been really cool. Elvis in his prime would have been really cool. I would have loved fat Elvis on a chair. (laughs) 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 Super Bowl. (laughs) Colonel Tom lurking off to the side. Do you have anyone that you would have loved to see? I think Elvis is a a good call. Because if you basically look at any notable recording artists you are you have 12 to 15 minutes of bangers some of them like we saw the legacy acts they just play four three or four songs some of them you play a medley they've played before the super bowl but not halftime that's kiss i know it's tacky i love kiss but like nice that 15 minutes of like detroit rock city love gun rock and roll all night i suppose the high points where you could have some of them would be another band of of sort of that ilk guns and roses 
yeah. at their peak. I've seen Motley Crue live. They're insane. Or even like some of those bands that I know you and I both like Blink, Green Day. Absolutely. They were massive bands that they've never played. And I would, I would love to see that. I mean, if you're talking about bringing people back from the dead, why not the Traveling Wilburys? You play some of the Wilburys hits, some of their solo hits. That would be a, a kick-ass show. Yeah, absolutely. It is interesting when you look back, you laid out the framework of the history of the Super Bowl shows and those big hair 80s bands, they were before it. They were before it was popular. Mm. You mentioned how there was other things that would go on during the Super Bowl and that, yeah, they did like the Animal Planet would have the puppy show at halftime and they'd have their little halftime puppy show. MTV way back in the day when we were younger used to do that clay animation wrestling show. Do you remember that? Was that um, Celebrity Deathmatch? No. No, I think that was it. And they were clay animation. Let's get it on. They used to do something during the Super Bowl because people just didn't watch it. So so the 80s bands, they missed all that. <laughs> Except some of them got to catch up and are on our list today, some added 80s celebrities. Well, yeah, I mean, those- like those massive 80s bands um like we talked I mean we talked about Kiss Guns N' Roses Poison yep. Black Sabbath all you need is probably four good songs yep to uh, and, and then one that'll bring the house down yep so th- I think there is no wrong answer to who you would like to see I mean a salute to new metal would be fantastic because you're just going to get the best of it yeah that's what it comes down to as long as it's not the black eyed peas they're not on the list <laughs> thank goodness they're not on on the list A lot of these you'll also see there's a difference between like an iconic star and one that's just popular at the time. And so as we go through this, you'll start to see that, oh, this was the hits of that year. And then you'll see others where it's like, this is a star that was able to get on the stage. So those had weight on me as I was going through and taking notes on these and we'll start to bracket them, but that's absolutely going to be a factor as I go into this. Well, with that in mind, because I've got, we could keep talking about the context of all of these, but let's, let's get into it. I have plenty of talking points as we scroll through. I will post the bracket, but we have 20, which means there is a bit of a wild card round. And then we get into some who ended up going through to the first round, uh, a first round walkover, if you like, and then getting one of the wild carders. We're going to start with Two of the stranger ones, I think they're from back-to-back years or at least very close, from Super Bowl- Well, not from back-to-back years because I've got the number in front of me. From Super Bowl 29, we have Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye. (laughs) And from Super Bowl 31, we have the Blues Brothers Bash. Let's start with Indiana Jones and I'll I'll run through who who the the stars were and the- um, should I run through the set list as well, and then we can talk? Sure. Yeah, that sounds good. So this is Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Forbidden Eye, starring Patti LaBelle. Notionally, Indiana Jones and Marion Ravenwood, uh, Harrison Ford, smart enough not to come back for that. Uh, Teddy Prendergrass, or Teddy Pendergrass, Tony Bennett, Arturo Sandoval, and the Miami Sound Machine. We get Patti LaBelle performing Release Yourself, Tony Barrett, Arturo Sandoval, and the Miami Sound Machine do Caravan. Paddy LaBelle performs New Attitude, and then there's sort of a strange version of Can You Feel the Love Tonight, a duet between Paddy LaBelle and Tony Bennett. Right. A lot to unpack here. Tell the people, paint them a word picture of what we're looking at here. 
Yeah, so what this was, was the whole scene was set up in a very Temple of Doom-esque staging. And it starts with a guy dressed like in the Temple of Doom saying, bring me the trophy. And he's talking about the Lombardi trophy and they bring it out. And then the whole thing is this live Indiana Jones stage scene where people are trying to, where Indiana Jones is trying to take the trophy and people are trying to get him. And then out of nowhere, Tony Bennett's singing. Um, (laughs) it, It has a very Disney feel to it. And the reason this is, is because Disney was launching its Indiana Jones theme show for their park. And it looks like a promo. It reads like a promo because it's very confusing. It's like very flashy and there's people everywhere. And it's something that you would see at a show at Disney. Is that fair to say? The only thing I could liken it to, Six Degrees of Separation, the Police Academy stunt show at Warner Brothers uh, Hollywood on the Gold Coast in Australia. It is people who sort of look like it is kind of ADR dialogue. I'm pretty sure there is blackface or at least uh, brownface going on. There are drummers dressed as snakes. There's parachuters Um, coming out of the sky, landing on the field with their parachutes. It's, to describe it in one word, it's chaos. It really did look like chaos. There's things shooting <laughs> off. Is. There's instruments everywhere. There's people just running around yelling. And then if you've ever been to a Disney show, it's that thing where the actor's mic kicks in and there's kind of music playing into it. And he's like, we have to go over here. And she's like, Indy, no. And she's getting taken away. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's bizarre. It is bizarre. The camera is doing so... It's doing its utmost not to show Indiana Jones's face. They rescue the trophy and then they sit down. And I suppose it's supposed to be like a Club Obi-Wan, I think, is the one in, in Temple of Doom where they're in the like the nightclub. They're sitting at the round tables watching Tony Bennett perform Caravan. Yeah. There is a lot going on here. And then at the end, Indy obviously gets the trophy. Patty LaBelle, who looks like she's about to hulk out of the costume she's wearing, <laughs> <laughs> says- what are you going to do with that trophy, Indy? Well, I'm going to give it to the winner of Super Bowl 29. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> it's fun. It, it's just. It, yeah, it's fun in a way. weird. <laughs> but it has that feel to me. Disney is a lot like Vegas to me. It has a big production, but really when you break it down, it's kind of cheap. It's kind of got that cheap layer of of plastic in front of it. And for me, I mean, I've had fun in Disney. I've had fun in Vegas, but there's this flashy but phony thing that plays. It's, it's a lack of sincerity, I suppose. So that's how I felt watching this. I think if you were to go to Disney and sit down and see this on a stage, it would probably blow you away. But to see it on- I don't think so. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. I'm not a parent. You are. I would imagine if your daughter uh, did some sort of acting class and this was her end of year performance, you and the missus on the drive home would be going, I don't think we're putting her in that again next year because, like, we're not sitting through this shit. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. No, It's like a high school play, but not as good. Right. It was very flat. Again, it felt very cheap. And there was just a lot going on. A lot doesn't. Quality is not quantity, 
And I think they failed to see that in this production of the halftime show. There was a sheen of like going to a couple's house and they do a sort of performance for everyone <laughs> there. And you caught it. You sort of just sitting there awkwardly watching it. It's not very good for you. Like, well, they've, they've worked hard at this. Can we get another bottle of wine here? Is that, how long is this? <laughs> Speaking of how long it is, it is up against the Blues Brothers Bash. Another shameless plug this time for Blues Brothers 2000. Yes. It features the Blues Brothers, uh, who at this point are Dan Aykroyd, John Goodman, and Jim Belushi, ZZ Top, and James Brown, the godfather of soul. The Blues Brothers perform Everybody Needs Somebody to Love, Soul Man, James Brown performs uh, I Got You and Sex Machine. ZZ Top play Tush and Legs uh, for what it's worth, my two favorite ZZ Top songs. And then everyone gets together at the end to perform Gimme Some Lovin'. Imagine giving three comedians doing karaoke more stage time than essentially two of the greatest performing acts of all time. Yeah, this was another strange one. As you mentioned, again, it's a promo. So it's for Blues Brothers 2000, which oddly came out in 1998. So this is the 1997 Super Bowl. So it's like a, it's a promo to push this movie. So it was in New Orleans. So it's fitting to do a blues segment. I think that makes total sense. You know, New Orleans has incredible blues. If you've ever been, you can go down to this day and go into a little dive bar and hear an amazing blues person just riffing on a guitar or piano, but it's strange with this as well. Cause you have Dan Aykroyd, you have Jim Belushi because John Belushi, the original blues brothers gone, rest in peace. And then you have John Goodman who doesn't say a word the whole time, but he just exists on the stage. <laughs> I don't know about you, like separate to the film. Cause I enjoy the film, the blues brothers. The Blues Brothers itself, like what it was on SNL and this kind of culture, is shit. People don't talk about it, but it's shit. It is white people doing karaoke. Yep. Okay, cool. Look, the fat guy's doing a cartwheel and they're sort of like they've got the hat down. But really, they're no better than the Tim Robinson. I'm not the Blues Brothers. <laughs> like <laughs> from the last season right. of I Think You Should Leave. Right. The best part about that performance is Paul Schaefer's on the keyboard. <laughs> Yeah, for me, I I am a fan of old school blues. It is one of it's mm. some of the music I like. I don't like modern blues as much, but like Muddy Waters and John Lee Hooker, BB King, Billie Holiday, Nina Simone, like all those guys, those hard blues riffs on the guitars with those piano scales, throw some harmonic in there. I absolutely love it. When I'm cooking downstairs, there's a high chance that blues will be. Is that what you call that, it? That's my, it, let, let me cook. Let me cook, bro. That's the music I like on in the background. I love like a little bit of blues when I'm just chilling and doing stuff. If I could go back in time and sit in some small smoky club and see one of those legends, it'd be a dream. But this was not that. It certainly was not that. It wasn't. And James Brown is good. Sure. ZZ Top are good. They roll in in the Eliminator car. Like, they play Tush, like old school. They play Legs. The highlight for me with them playing Legs, there is no way that the NFL allows, like, the Legs dancers that they had back in this performance. But also, I think they were clearly told not to swear because Billy and Dusty both look at each other and then sing, shit, I got to have her. <laughs> with this mile-wide grin on their face. 
pretty cool. Like, yeah, that's damn right. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Worth noting as well, rest in peace, Laura Dinky Patterson, a member of a professional bungee jumping team who died during the uh, rehearsals for this act, wow. jumped from a temporary show truss, hung for the roof, collided head first with the concrete floor. Uh, very, very, very sad. In fact, uh, was it January 29, 1997. Spooky. And it turned out that they didn't end up even using it in the show. So uh, Unfortunate. Brought the show down very, very hard there. Uh, do you want to pick it up? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was a big fan of the Blues Brothers, the movie, uh, the original. So I forget when the the first one came out. I mean, it was... I never watched it when I came out. It was one of those things that existed like, um, like animal house. And then I saw it sometime in my youth and just thought it was great. I mean, the sequel, I probably saw it. I don't remember anything from it at all, but the original has a lot of good moments. The music's good. The performers are good. The light, there's a ton of good lines. I love the, uh, 106 miles to Chicago. We got tank full of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. And then Belushi just goes, hit it. And they take Peel out. Like those kind of things are classic, but trying to remake the movie was a bad idea. And I revolving a halftime show around it, it just feels cheap to me. Kind of like the last yep. one. It's just kind of a cheap thing. So we've got two shameless plugs. Who's advancing from these two? So if I were to pick one out of these two, I would pick the Blues Brothers, just for the fact that I like blues. I feel like I was a little more entertained than this one. It was a little less confusing for me. You know, I'm not a Tony Bennett fan. That's just, it's not my thing. I never understood (laughs) it. Like, I like older music. I like the Beatles and Elvis and Frank Sinatra, but I never understood Tony Bennett. So if I had, for me personally, if I have to pick out of the two, I think I'm going Blues Brothers Bash. How about you? Totally agree. Yeah, right on. Although they were terrible, they were so much better than whatever the hell the other thing was. It was a mess, man. It was such a mess. They progressed. They've got a pretty hard uh, draw in round two, but let's roll on to the next one. We have Super Bowl 35, billed as the kings of rock and pop. This is Aerosmith and NSYNC with Britney Spears and Nelly up against Shania Twain, No Doubt, and Sting. I feel like if you need to share the top billing- with another performer for the Super Bowl, you shouldn't be doing the Super Bowl. Yep. Now, there is one notable exception later in this that I think is okay, but you could have had Aerosmith could have done it by themselves, and for better or worse, I think you probably could have had NSYNC by themselves. It reminds me of when you get a Marvel movie or a Batman movie, when every time they start to reach their fall-off point, they just cram it full of villains, because it's almost like- Mm. Again, it's the they try to do the quantity over quality. And I feel yep. when we start getting into these two shows, that's an overall theme for both of them, in my opinion. We'll start with Aerosmith and NSYNC. Uh, there's a pre-recorded sketch with Ben Stiller, Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, Aerosmith, and NSYNC. Calls them Aerosync yeah. uh, as a, a super group. NSYNC open with Bye Bye Bye. We get Aerosmith with I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. NSYNC perform It's Gonna Be Me. Uh, sorry, I should say, it's gonna be May. Aerosmith performed Jaded, and then all of them with Britney, Mary J. Blige, and Nelly perform Walk This Way. Now, do you have any fond memories of this one? The It was the Ravens' first winning Super Bowl, defeated the Giants 34-7. Yeah, I mean, this was the one of two of the best Super Bowls of all, all time. But um, yeah, I have, of course, <laughs> I have good memories of it. 
I mean, the Super Bowl itself, I remember very, very clearly. I remember where it was. If I'm being honest, I was a little younger at this point compared to the second Super Bowl, which we'll, you know, we have in here as well. So my two experiences on both those Super Bowls are different. You know, they're way different. But I remember exactly where I was. I remember what I was doing. I was very excited for it. And I remember this Super Bowl show. It was the the hodgepodge of all these. What I will say about this, it was a hodgepodge of a lot of different genres. There's almost something for everyone in this. Yeah, I guess you could say there's something for everyone in this, really. No, no country, really. But yeah. outside of that, you pretty much have something for everyone. Uh, Justin Timberlake makes his first appearance. Mary J. Blige and Nelly. They both, odd, all three of them oddly come back, but they're all, this is the first time all three of them are in it. I think the only people it doesn't cater to are people with ears. Mm, well put. Well put, yes. You know, I think it, it, the deaf were well served. The thing that jumped out to me is of all the, I guess, legacy acts, save for the Dr. Dre, et cetera, from last year, yep. um, because I feel like there's sort of a, a different level of singing required, potentially. I think Steve Tyler sounds the best of all of them. Absolutely. Yeah, out of out of that group, yeah, I thought he sounded good as well. I felt watching this, and again, to paint a picture, you had all the bands come up, they did their thing, and then they kind of did a musical mash at certain points. They mm. It was neat because they would kind of overlap the end of the previous song with the new musician. So I partly like that transition. The stage presence was absolute chaos. They didn't seem like they had it worked out. Every time I looked at it, it looked like people were running around because they had dancers up there as well. So it really didn't look that good. A lot of people were sweating. <laughs> Brittany was sweating yeah. during it. Um, wasn't a good look. <laughs> I will vehemently disagree. And I thought Brittany looked fantastic during this. But you're right. It was sort of a weird stage. You've got the NSYNC guys doing like the, it's going to be me. Like the NSYNC still was, they were all incredible dancers. Right. And they, they don't really get any space on stage to dance. It's almost like the Spider-Man logo. You've got the central and all the legs kind of kicking out from yep. it. And they're, they're bunched on trying to dance along this little catwalk. And it, it, you're right. It doesn't really work. I did quite like the transition. We Steve Tyler does hit the, it's going to be May. Yep. To, to get into Jaded. Fantastic choice of song, I thought, for them as their second song, uh, Crying, would have been my pick. Yeah, I, neither of those are my Aerosmith songs that I would go to. I, I really like Dream On. I, that's my favorite Aerosmith yep. song. Outside of that, th those two weren't that great. Again, to reiterate, I thought Britney actually did well. Um, I just thought the, the mm. sweat thing, they were all like sweating and the way the light was and they were running around. But yeah, she did look good. And I, I think she did well. And then that's up against Shania Twain, No Doubt and Sting. Shania Twain lip syncs her way through the radio, the radio version of Man, I Feel Like a Woman. Uh, she performs Up, No Doubt, perform Just a Girl, and then Sting and No Doubt perform Message in a Bottle. I do like Shania Twain. I'm a big Shania Twain fan. Really? I like No Doubt. And I am- Oh, yeah. Nice. Big Shania fan. I, I do like No Doubt. I thought they had some absolute bangs. Not a huge Gwen Stefani fan, but um, certainly their 90s stuff was sick. Not a huge fan of the police, but I thought Sting was the high point of this. Yeah, I agree. I 
Shania Twain is not my music, but I respect her. And she looked really good in this. She's a gorgeous woman. And I thought she looked good in this. Hmm. No doubt that is musically the only Gwen Stefani that I like. Um, I like yep. that era of No Doubt. I liked her vibe. I liked the song, that music that they produced. And you're right. Sting had the most stage presence, I would say. Go figure, it's Sting. I'm not a fan of The Police, but they have a bunch of bangers. Agreed. That it is, you know, me- Message in a Bottle, um, like do-do-do-da-da-da, Don't Stand So Close to Me. There's another one that I really like that uh, I'm, it entirely escapes me. But yeah, they're they're no good. Did you know um, Shania Twain walked in on one of her husbands uh, cheating on her and her husband ended up marrying, or her then husband ended up marrying the the woman he was cheating on her with and Shania Twain ended up marrying the ex-husband of the guy her husband was cheating on the woman with. That's taking revenge too far they yeah did the, <laughs> like this the switcheroo the keys in the bowl but right. um wedding rings in the bowl i can get like you cheated on me so i'm gonna cheat with your ex's ex but then marrying them mm. is way too much of a commitment for vengeance i agree clearly uh she was impressed much <laughs> oh it's good it's bad and it's good <laughs> this again is another mashup style both of these are essentially concerts we'll get into other ones when you start to get into the pop there's a lot more flair going on a lot of stuff that happens both of these are more concert style which is why they're good that they're up against each other both of them have a mix like shania twain no doubt and sting it might not be as diverse musically as the other one, but it's different styles of music. You're getting country, more classic rock, more modern rock at the time. Uh, if they would have thrown in hip hop, they would have had it all. I'll give you a better version of this halftime show. The Police, they do all, all the hits. Every little thing she does is magic. Roxanne, So Lonely, Don't Stone, Stand So Close to Me, Message in a Bottle. Every Breath You Take, and then P. Diddy comes out during Every Breath You Take. Yeah, there you go. That that would work. Out of these two, which one do you think should get the nod? I thought Shania Twain, no doubt, and Sting was so bad that it has to be Aerosmith because I thought the best performance in that, it's the best song out of, I suppose, the eight that were performed is Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Yeah, I agree. I think that if you go back to the iconic aspect of it, Aerosmith, Britney Spears, in sync, I mean, I guess at the time was very iconic, but collectively, I think a little more iconic than No Doubt. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I just, it, that one had a little more weight to me. If I talk to the women in my life, like my sister said one time, if Britney wanted to be a star again, everyone would accept her back because Britney Spears mm. had a huge impact on people. She was like Madonna 2.0, I think. So, there's a lot of weight there with people that saw her there. I don't think that that weight's there with probably Sting has that weight. And a lot of people like Shania Twain, but Aerosmith and Britney to me are more iconic. So that's really what got the nod to me. That progresses. We now have, I suppose, strange bedfellows of sorts, because one of them is a salute to Motown from Super Bowl 32. 
featuring Boys to Men, Smokey Robinson, Martha Reeves and the Van Dillers, The Temptations, Queen Latifah, and our old friends, the Grambling State University Marching Band, up against Michael Jackson, who, of course, started as a Motown act with the Jackson 5. Yep. Let's start with um, this salute to Motown. One of the great songbooks is the Motown songbook, the roster of artists. Fantastic. They all got hideously fucked over. Many of the women got abused, but tremendous music. Mm. That doesn't excuse the bad behavior, but I, I think it's worth- um, I think it's worth saying. There is an intro to this which features Whoopi Goldberg, the cast of Frasier, Candace Bergen, Brett Favre, Terrell Davis, Dennis France, a bunch of other people singing uh, the way the way you do the thing you do. Yes. And then the Temptations perform Get Ready and I Can't Help Myself. Smokey Robinson performs Tracks of My Tears uh, and My Girl with the Temptations. Uh, Martha Rees performs Heat Wave. Queen Latifah performs Paper. Boys to Men perform Motown Philly and a song for Mama. And then they all perform Dancing in the Street. They did. What did you think of this one? There was a lot. It was a tribute. I did like the opening. I thought it was interesting. It was one of the more interesting of the, the opening with the celebrities going through it. I respect Motown and there is Motown that I like, but Motown really isn't my jam um, as much. A little later, we'll get into some of the areas that I do like with it. You know, there's some things that I like with this one. The the My Girl song is iconic. I think that's great. I think Queen Latifah sounded great. She impressed me with her singing. Boys to Men did Motown Philly. And it, it reminds me when I was young, we used to have these talent shows at school. And one year, <laughs> it was funny because I actually played that year. I played on the piano. I play, I play piano and I have no idea what I played. I cannot remember for the life of me, but what I do remember, there were two or three groups of girls that danced to this song. Like they came up Motown Philly played <laughs> someone else didn't act. Then another group of girls dancing to Motown Philly. So I don't know, take that for what it's worth. What did you think of this one? It's funny you say that, uh, and it probably shows the slight age difference between the two of us. Similar experience, except for us, it was Crazy by Britney Spears. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. I really love the old Motown stuff. I agree. Queen Latifah sounded fantastic. I thought it is like when you get get ready, can't help myself, tracks my tears, my girl, heat wave, you're like, and then Boys to Men just sucked all the energy out of it. Yeah. And then Dancing in the Street brought everyone back again. So- it was definitely a lull. I think I went to the toilet during Boys to Men. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to let this run. But on the whole, I thought it was good. This was like a good way to do a mashup of different artists, I thought. Right. Yeah. One of the issues is a lot of them were classic Motown songs and Boys to Men with Motown Philly. was. It felt like it didn't fit into the rest mm. of the the more classic Motown. We had the um the voiceover guy go, and now the most popular Motown act currently, boys to men. <laughs> and then they sort of rolled into it. So I, I could have done with a couple of other Motown classics there, I think. Maybe like a Proud Mary uh, yeah. with Tina Turner or something like that. Great. Would have really taken it home. So that's one one of uh one of our Motown performers here. The other is uh, Michael Joseph Jackson. Rest in peace. Uh, he performed at Super Bowl twenty seven, and this is the this is the first big act. I was watching a 
a bit of a behind the scenes about it. He's, I think, one of the only acts or the only act ever to demand a fee, which he donated to a charity. And he he only agreed to perform if he could do We Are The World and Heal The World and stuff off the new albums. He didn't really want to do Billy Jean. He also wanted it to be rebranded The Thriller Bowl and had to uh, have it explained multiple times why that wasn't possible and what, in fact, the Super Bowl was. <laughs> um, so if you just look at what he's doing or the way he lived his life, I mean, that's just classic Michael Jackson. Classic. He performs- Jam, Billie Jean, Black or White, We Are the World, and Heal the World. But I think what is iconic about it is that entrance is uh, he's on top of the Jumbotron at one end with a body double, top of the Jumbotron at the other end, pops out of the screen with a body double, and then he jumps up out of the middle of the stage and he just stands there for nearly two minutes staring at the crowd. As they lose their mind. Yeah, you're right. He's on the Jumbo screen in video. And he flies up and then he pops out of the top of the Jumbotron and then the other side and then he's on stage and the audience is just losing their mind. And this shows the level of showmanship that Michael Jackson was. He just let it happen. He just sat there and let the audience get and they didn't calm down. They actually got more and more worked up as he just stood there like a statue on stage. It was impressive to watch, really. I didn't love his set list. I, as I say, there were reasons why I chose it for a guy with an incredible back catalog. And I would love to, I would love to know what he would do with it now. Yeah. And but to be fair, he was a guy who I think his heart was in the right place with a lot of the things he did, and and in not in the right place with many of the other things he did as well. Sure. But you can't argue that he didn't try to, in some ways, make the world a better place. I am of the age and talent and era that when I was in choir at school, we performed We Are The World and Hear The World, and they are two songs that I cannot stand. In fact, I would go so far as to say they are the worst things ever Michael Jackson has done to a large group of children. Same. Um, yeah. He's, he's put those songs in, in school choir books. So- I don't love the set list, but he plays the hits. He's grabbing his dick. He's moonwalking. This is when I close my eyes and picture Michael Jackson, this is the Michael Jackson I picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's funny. The We Are the World. I distinctly remember making fun of my sister as she sang that. Well, she didn't sing. She just stood there, but I mocked her for singing that in her choir class when we were in school. Yeah, he pulls off his jacket. He has the classic open white t-shirt, black jeans, shiny shoes, black fedora, and he just instantly goes into it. He was one of the best dancers in to this day in pop. He's the king of pop, and that's yep. for a reason. I agree the set list is not my go-to for Michael Jackson. I mean, songs like Thriller and, you know, Bad and yep. stuff like that. I mean, I'm those are the ones I gravitate more towards. Don't stop till you get enough. Um, I love uh, Jackson 5 ABC. Again, I was such a big fan of Michael Jackson, and I still am to this day. I, I really do like MJ. There's a lot that has come out with him. Like There was a, a show recently, and me and you talk often on the show about an artist and their real life, how that affects different things. 
to be honest, that show came out. I heard a little bit about it and I'm like, I'm not even watching it. Michael Jackson's gone. I don't care. I want to be able to listen to his music. I don't really want anything to taint it. As far as the music goes, I think he was great. And performance wise, he was top. You know, I mean, he was the top of his game. And watching this Super Bowl show, which you know which way my vote's going to go at this point, it was the same. It was impressive. When he went into We Are the World, he had all these children and adults from all over the world come out. They were all dressed in their national clothes attire. They were all over the stage, all over the field. This giant inflatable globe blows up behind him. And then every person in the audience flipped over a color square and it spelled out, we are the world. Isn't that what it spelled out? I'm spacing. It was something like that. Or it was was like kids drawing of people or something like that. Oh, no, that's what it was. He, so he had the audience, the entire stadium had these squares and when they flipped them over, they were illustrations of children from all over the world. And we're talking 1993 here. We're going to get into some halftime shows that might be visually more impressive with screens and stuff. But for 1993, that was dope. That was unbelievable. Well, in this documentary, they're talking about the thing that really got him across the line was the fact that Super Bowl was being broadcast into third world countries onto US Army base and he could use it to spread kind of that, that message of peace that he was all about at that point. Right. I don't know if these ever get on your radar, but sometimes people will recut old movie trailers into like that modern style. I think if if you have Michael Jackson doing the Super Bowl, you know, this year, he opens with Thriller. You get the Jackson 5 up doing ABC in it. Like you, you get all those sorts of things that are that performance now. Or maybe you don't because he is unparalleled as I think the largest star, musical star probably since Elvis. Uh, And I don't think anyone's come close to touching him since, uh, no pun intended. I also miss him in the sense that it was just good as a punchline, like a generic weirdo who everyone knew. And I think Kanye is kind of drifting into that territory now, right? but maybe a bit more malignant than Michael Jackson in in some senses, I guess you could say. I think I, I struggle with this one. I'm happy to put Jacko through because it's just so iconic and he is the biggest act. And you can't say given- a hundred times out of a hundred, I would choose to watch Michael Jackson over the best of Motown. I actually think the Motown one was a better performance. Do you? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, we can, you know, I'm happy to put Michael Jackson through, though. Okay. Very good. Yeah, I, I did like the Motown. I didn't think that that was a bad Super Bowl show, a halftime show, but I, I really did like the Michael Jackson, and I remembered it. Mm. You know, I didn't remember the Motown tribute. And the second that Michael Jackson came on, I was like, yep, I know exactly what's going to happen here. The next one we need to talk about is probably the most famous Super Bowl halftime show. But before we get to them, let's talk about who they're up against. And that is the Rolling Stones. Now, I remember this one. I remember there being controversy around it at the time. The Stones wanted to sing stuff off the new album the NFL didn't want them to the stones were told not to sing certain lyrics the NFL agreed to a delay in the wake of the nipple gate which we will come back to <laughs> right and the only high point i thought for this was the stones don't don't sound bad and you, they give you exactly what you expect it is start me up it's Mick Jagger strutting around it's Keith Richards one you're wondering how he's still alive the intro to satisfaction this one we could have done at Super Bowl one. Yep. And he said, that's the quote that he says. And then, mm. but everything comes to those who wait. 
<laughs> they absolutely could have. It took them to 2006 to get on the Super Bowl stage. This being 2006, I think this is probably the second most famous performance of Satisfaction this year. The most famous, of course, being my performance on German television uh, when I was stopped in the middle of the street and asked to sing any uh, Rolling Stones song that I could think of. Uh, and I sang Satisfaction on German TV. So Good for you. We need to get a clip of that. Or at least I need to get a clip of that. <laughs> Find it. Bring it to me. That was that. Do you have anything to add about the Stones? I think it, it's the Rolling Stones. It's the Rolling Stones. I mean, they're the top three most famous that were on this list that we'll go through. That's what I would say. Probably top three, if not two, maybe one. These aren't my Stone songs. Like, I, I like Gimme Shelter, Sympathy for the Devil, Paint It Black, Wild Horses. Can't always get what you want. Apparently not. Apparently you only get the songs that uh, they play. <laughs> right. This was simple. Iconic band, I think in the wake of the one we're about to talk about, this was simple for a reason, because this was performed two years later, and the ones after that were somewhat simplistic. It was a simple show, and a lot of the simple ones I didn't care for, but I like this one. It felt like a concert. The stage was set up in their logo, the Rolling Stones logo, and it looked like a Rolling Stones concert. You know, they were going around, you know, they were singing to the audience. It was just what you would expect, but it felt good paced. It didn't feel dated or anything like that. I sat through it and enjoyed it. It's the Stones. Exactly what you would expect. Yep. Now, you're right. They were all conservative following that. Let's, however, talk about Super Bowl 38. Choose or lose was the theme here. Encouraging people to get out and vote. Yep. And it is starring Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake, P. Diddy, Nelly, Kid Rock, and Jessica Simpson. And if that is not a snapshot of that era, I don't know what is. It opens with The Way You Move with the Spirit of Houston and Ocean of Soul marching bands. Janet Jackson performs All For You. PDD performs Bad Boy For Life. A bunch of cheerleaders come out and sing Diddy to the tune of Mickey whilst PDD is wearing a Julius Peppers jersey. How did that game go, PDD? Nelly performs Hot In Here, a controversial moment for the NFL as well as the women were getting more and more naked. Diddy performs Mo Money, Mo Problems, the notorious B.I.G. classic. And then just fucking right swerve turn into <laughs> the beating heart of Trump's America. Bob Ritchie himself, Kid Rock, performs Bar with the Bar and Cowboy. Janet Jackson comes back for Rhythm Nation, and then she performs Rock Your Body with Justin Timberlake, looking like he's wearing his dad's clothes. And yeah. it ends with him ripping open Janet Jackson's top, exposing her breast. Before we get to that, though, I want to come back to Kid Rock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Out of all that, I must talk about Kid Rock. Whenever are we going to talk about Kid Rock again? Never. God, I hope never. <laughs> At this point, sadly, Josie had passed away, the uh, the little person who used to perform with him, um, so he wasn't on stage. But this is classic Kid Rock. I will- Die on the hill that Bar with Bar and Cowboy, especially, are two of the ultimate guilty pleasure songs. Cowboy is an incredible karaoke song. Okay. And 
Uh, I mean, you you see it in the Super Bowl sometimes. You'll get singers will change the lyrics or whatever to, you know, we see it with Springsteen in Glory Days. Instead of singing about baseball, singing about football. All of Kid uh, of Cowboy is basically rewritten to this modern idea of Kid Rock with his red, white, and blue pro-America uh, rhetoric. The crowd is going way harder for Kid Rock than they go for anyone else. But the fan- the fantastic line the at, at the end of Cowboy is, no remorse for the sheriff and I ain't right. I'm a paint his town red, then paint his wife white, which is rewritten as Kid Rock to the Super Bowl halftime. That's right. <laughs> Boo! Boo! <laughs> but I, I encourage you, for those of you who have not delved back into Cowboy, it is an absolute banger. I endorse nothing else about Kid Rock, but fuck me, that is a song. I can confidently say, I'm going to go a little against you. I don't, I don't blame you for it, and I get it. <laughs> but I can confidently say I don't like any of the artists that were in this performance. Janet Jackson, like, yeah, I get, I can respect. It's not like I dislike her, but Jessica Simpson, nope. Justin Timberlake, nope. P. Diddy, Puff Daddy, Sean Combs, never liked him. <laughs> I think he kind of, he wrote on the back of Biggie, really. It, I just never- Big time. Yeah, I never cared for him. I'm like, and then Kid Rock, I just, for me, I just can't, I can't do it, man. I just can't do it. My um, name is Kid. <laughs> I think also, and I don't know, maybe this is a culture thing, maybe not. You've spent a ton of time in America, so it's not like you don't know what's going on here. You know what I mean? If you look at the type of person that's really into Kid Rock around here. (laughs) I'm aware. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, good. They're the worst. Anyone that like puts that on in their car, like you're like, I know who you are. And I, it's, it's like a bumper sticker. It doesn't really matter what it says. It just says that me and you are not going to get along. That's all it says. You know what my bumper sticker says? By Yelp with the flag saying chill in the most and rock that bitch up and down the coast. <laughs> did, um, did you hear Kid Rock's song that he put out in 2020 at the height of the pandemic called We the People? I remember that coming out, but I can't recollect what it is at this point. Again, don't endorse any of the messages within it, but that is a fucking banger as well. <laughs> Love it. Me and you agree on a lot of music too. I mean, we've talked about music on the, on the podcast. We've talked about it off the podcast and we're pretty in line with what we like, but every once in a while we do hit these where I'm like, nah, man, I can't do Kid Rock even as a guilty pleasure. And I respect guilty pleasures. I don't judge. Everyone likes everything, but for that, I'm just, I can't do it. Can't do it. There is just something about him that, that gets me. And as I say, I, I don't like I don't like how he pretends to be uh, out of the hood when he was just a rich boy who grew up in the suburbs of Michigan or suburbs of Detroit. But yeah, fucking cowboy. Absolute banger. So before we get into the topic that everyone wants to talk about, outside of this ending, how would you feel that this performance went? If we let's just Unremarkable. Pull, pull, yeah. Yeah. Well, the high pull- point is Kid Rock. The crowd are like loving him. <laughs> They're responding to him. There is a guy during the uh, during Rock Your Body is like Justin Timberlake is like creeping around the stage on Janet Jackson, who is looking at it like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, it he's got the most WTF look on his face. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't look good. And uh, like Justin Timberlake as a guy, 
you know, I, I kind of think he's a cool guy. I like the movies that he picks. I love him on SNL. I'm just not a fan of his music. And for me, this goes back to what I said earlier. It's that end of Batman series. It's that end of Spider-Man series where they're like, let's just get a lot of people in. Let's get a lot of people in. It's going to be great. And it just doesn't go well. It looks chaotic to me. It doesn't look like anyone's really... Janet Jackson, to me, was probably the best performance on there. She was just doing her thing. Yep. And the choreography with her is fantastic. You know, again, I don't dislike Janet Jackson as a person. Like, if people are into her, I totally get that. I genuinely dislike Jessica Simpson's music. So, like, there's a difference there, you know? (laughs) But none of these musicians or songs did it for me. And then, and then there was the incident. Kid Rock came out. (laughs) No, no. We, it's time, it's time to address the wardrobe malfunction. And before you jump into it, I'll let you start, but my flag is on the play here. Just this, this whole thing. That's where my flag goes. Flag on the play. <laughs> 69. He was giving him the business. Flag on the play. Hello. Is the, the flag that it was entirely planned? Correct. Yep. A hundred percent planned. Yep. You know, it was supposed to be this big controversy. I thought at the time that it happened, there was no doubt in my mind that it was planned. I didn't even think, consider it to be not planned. And today it's still planned. It was clearly part of the show. Justin Timberlake reaches up. He's not holding her in any other way, rips it on purpose. He's staring at her the whole time. And Janet Jackson's nipples are covered. Hmm. There's no nipple to be seen. There's no nipple, people. If there's no nipple, it's not a breast shot. I'm sorry. (laughs) It was planned. I think you could get away with that look on uh, Instagram uh, today and be fine. Oh, 100% planned. That Rockyba, it's so creepy in the way he's like following her around and like, yeah. This is one of the things about the Super Bowl is that it is such a microcosm of what's popular at that time. The fashion, the music, the styles. It's clearly planned. Yep. There were the FCC got 400 uh, 540,000 complaints. Family Guy parodied parodied it with David Hyde Pierce's ball falling out of his pants. <laughs> <laughs> 7 degrees of separation. Check out our Family Guy podcast. Yeah. It felt like there was a lot of fake outrage, almost. I think the people that were upset, I don't know. It, it, fake outrage maybe isn't the word. It, it just seems so, it seemed like such a stunt, and I hate it when the public feeds into stunts. It's like, how can you not see what's going on? How can you not see the man behind the curtain here? Yeah. And it bothered me. The whole It still does. With that said, it was one of the most iconic and memorable Super Bowls of all time. I, I'm going to read just verbatim from Wikipedia here because I couldn't be bothered um, uh, rephrasing it. The performance made Janet Jackson the most searched term event and image in internet history. Jackson was later listed in the 2007 edition of the Guinness World Records, the most searched in internet history, most searched for news item. Also broke the record for most searched event over one day. Janet Jackson also became the most searched term and person for 2004 and also 2005. It also set a record for being the most watched, recorded, and replayed moment on TiVo. A company representative stated, the audience measurement guys have never seen anything like it. The audience reaction charts look like an electrocardiogram. YouTube co-founders Javed Karim, Steve Chen, and Chad Hurley 
revealed that their frustration not being able to easily find the video clip of the incident provided the inspiration for the creation of YouTube. Wow, that's interesting. Well, that's a that's a much bigger impact than I thought. And of course, it was the most watched TiVo thing because everyone was trying to pause it right when he ripped off her shirt. Have you done it? Admit it. Admit it. Have you done it? It is available unabridged on YouTube now. Which kind of shows the level of performance that it was. So I assume this one's going through on the, the strength of cultural impact. Yeah, and it's kind of upsetting to me in a way because I do think this is going up against Rolling Stones, right? Yep. I mean, I do think Rolling Stones are more clearly more iconic than anyone in this one. And I do think that they put on a good show. But if we're talking about the greatest of all time, whatever that may be, even if it's just iconic, I feel like this one has to push forward. Because when I say Super Bowl shows, this has to be one of the ones that pops up in your mind. Yep. And you're right. It is a bad performance, but it is an iconic moment. It is the most iconic moment of the Super Bowl, despite being terrible other than Kid Rock. (laughs) So we now found ourselves in the round of 16, and I know it feels like that we haven't got anywhere and we're right back at the start, but we've eliminated four so far. Yep. I think we're going to start to pick up some momentum here because a lot of these we'll have, we'll have talked about. So let's start at the bottom here and work our way up. And it is Katy Perry versus Beyonce, two divas, pound for pound for me, the most memorable Super Bowl show, Katy Perry. Part of it has to be the fact I watched it during the day in Vegas and it, it, that is my favorite Super Bowl. The Patriots won. Katy Perry was incredible. Left Shark went viral. As far as I'm aware, that was the one that jumped out to me. It was like, I, I think that'll be one. So let, let's start with Katie here. Now, she performs Raw, Dark Horse, I Kissed a Girl with Lenny Kravitz, Teenage Dream, California Girls, Missy Elliott and Katy Perry perform Get Your Freak On and Work It. Missy Elliott performs Lose Control, and then Katie finishes with Firework. During Teenage Dream, Left Shark forgot the dance moves, which caused him to go viral. He's just sort of freestyling off on the side there. What did you think of this one? So visually, this one was one of the more impressive ones, I would say. You know, they had a number one, Katy Perry came out on this very cubist metal. It was not real metal, but it looked like a giant metal lion with eyes. And she's doing roar or about to go into roar. And they have, um, it was very much in like the sense of like the Lion King when you get, because people were moving her. So it was a very impressive way to come out. And then when she did her show, she did it. And you see this in other ones that we'll get to, but this one was done really well where the floor is a giant screen Mm. and a lot of really neat stuff went on in that floor. She wasn't the first to do it, but it did look really nice. You know, at one point she has like this messianic black and white checkered floor and these weird looking chess player people come. Katy Perry does weird stuff. She does all this weird cultic stuff in her in her thing. It's like her vibe. So it's always a little bit odd to me, like whatever she chooses to do. I'm like, why do those people look so weird? But her show, it was a really tight and really impressive performance. There was a lot of outfit changes. The vibe changed multiple times. It's like one, yep. t- we're in this black and white scene. And then all of a sudden, like you said, we're on this beach and you have the sharks and the people dressed as like cartoon beach balls running around. Um, so there really was a lot with this. It was 
it was impressive, certainly from a visual standpoint. Yeah, it is. Um, I thought Missy Elliott was really good as well. But again, I feel like if you can't carry a Super Bowl show, it feel it feels very cynical because you have the bubblegum pop artist, and then you want. You have someone trying to give her some street cred, essentially. And it, it always feels quite cynical. But I get it's the same as any blockbuster film. You need something for everyone. Otherwise, it's not massive. And this is the most watched halftime show ever. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. There, there was a lot of neat stuff that happened in it. At the end, she basically gets pulled up in the air on a platform. And she's, again, not the first one to do this, but it was a lighted star. and then. Giant sparklers is what it looked like. Start coming out of the back of the star as she's moving along. And then just fireworks and pyrotechnics going off. Katy Perry is quite the showman too. Mm. She puts on shows beyond her singing. It's, it's, we'll get into a couple of these, but like Lady Gaga and Madonna and a lot of these higher end pop singers. It's not just the music that you go to see. It's the performance. And she certainly did perform in this one. Yep, you're totally right. Also, she was dating Russell Brand at the time, and you can hear her fake English accent while she's talking. Nice. On the other hand, we have the Queen Bay, Beyonce herself, from another, um, from Super Bowl 47, Baltimore defeating San Francisco 34-31. We have Vince Lombardi's excellent (laughs) speech. Beyonce then performs uh, Who Run the World, Love on Top, Crazy in Love, End of Time, Baby Boy. And then brings out her mates from Destiny's Child to rub in just how fam- more famous she is than them with Bootylicious, Independent Woman, and Single Ladies, and then Halo. No costume changes for Beyonce, and the uh, the famous Beyonce meme came from this performance. What did you think of uh, the Queen Bee? So again, I mean, I think that this one and Katy Perry comparing them are pretty similar. I mean, they're, it, it's close in the sense that Beyonce is a performer. Um, it starts off with fire and the fires making the designs in the dark and then it just basically explodes behind her there's a lot of neat visuals as far as the singer goes if i have to look at it from a music standpoint neither Katy perry or beyonce are my thing i just don't listen to them but i think quality beyonce's music is well above Katy perry in in my mind so it's it's a little hard for me in the sense because i if I know we're not in in the stage of comparing them, I guess. Maybe we are. But there was some things that iconic happened in this one as well. This is where Beyonce reveals that she's pregnant. So that was like a really big thing. Her and Jay-Z going to have a kid. And she does that at the end. So that went nuts. The memes on this were crazy from her doing that to like her weird faces. So I, what did you what did you think of it? I'm not a Beyonce fan at all. This was peak Beyonce fame where she was the biggest artist in the world. It would news updates on everything she did. Every time she took a shit, it was newsworthy. And it was just like hero worship to the nth degree. And I, I, that definitely taints her as a performance for me because it was just like, I don't give a fuck. Sure. Like who you like, don't like who you like. But I just, I couldn't, I couldn't care less about her. I didn't love her performance. I agree that her songs are better, her music's better. I don't think she does a hell of a lot of singing in this either. It looked like it was lip synced. Meant more in the sense of like, there was a lot of backup singing. She was just sort of chipping in here and there. She was sort of like a, a situational pass rusher. <laughs> if, if we're comparing to, I would put Katy Perry through because I enjoyed it more. I think it's better performance. There was more going on. 
I did think, I don't know what song it was for Beyonce, but where she has the black and white background interchanging behind her with the dancers, that looked incredible. Yep. Um, I think if you're a fan of Destiny's Child, getting uh, Kelly and Michelle back, gone nuts with that. For me, it is Katy Perry. Yeah, I mean, there is there's a lot with Beyonce. I mean, also the fact that she's with Jay-Z and Jay-Z is, I, I love Jay-Z. Um, so there's that star component, but you are right. Me, I have really no interest in celebrity news. I have minimal, if I really like a celebrity, I have very minimal interest to know what they're doing anyway. So it's hard for me for someone who, like I said, neither Katy Perry or Beyonce are my jam. I'm never playing either of their songs ever. But with that said, there's a cult following on both, probably much larger on Beyonce. If I had to pick one from what I enjoyed, I did enjoy the Katy Perry one. Visually, it was much more impressive. Given we both enjoy Katy Perry, Katy advances. I'm sorry, Beyonce, you're great, you're fantastic. Cry into your millions, you didn't make it through to the next round. We are going to get some mail about that. The Beyonce fans are coming out. Aren't we just? But look, (laughs) dirty little secret. She wasn't going to make it to the end anyway, so <laughs> not on this podcast. Let's talk J- uh, Super Bowl 54, J-Lo and Shakira okay. up against Super Bowl 39, Paul McCartney. Couldn't be two more disparate styles here. Right. Let's start with P-Mac, shall we? Uh, McCartney performs Drive My Car, Get Back, Live and Let Die, and Hey Jude. It's a fairly low energy starting, uh, but as soon as he hits that, Say live and let die And let the stadium lights up Which is fantastic Maybe don't do that two and a half songs into your act Yeah, yeah, exactly Um, And little throwback uh, To our last podcast Santa Slay, Live and Let Die Was a song for James Bond Not Sean Connery But uh, that was in 73 Live and Let Die was a Roger Moore James Bond and Paul McCartney wrote that song for that. It's a great song, too. It Love is. That song. Covered by Guns N' Roses. Covered by Guns N' Roses, yep. I've got my notes here. What's your favorite Bond song? Oh, oh, that's putting me on the spot. Honestly, it might be this one. It might be Live and Let Die. I really do like this song. I mean, I like the Guns N' Roses version, too. How about you? I'm a th- I'll think more about this, but it honestly might be Live and Let Die. Uh, there's a few I really like, quite like Thunderball by Tom Jones. Uh, I love yep. Nancy Sinatra's You Only Live Twice. Uh, mm. There's just something about it. It's very haunting and it sort of plays into themes of the movie. I really liked Billie Eilish, No Time to Die. I thought that was really good. But for me, it's kind of same era as Live and Let Die. It's um, uh, View to a Kill by Duran Duran. Oh, right on. Good pick. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Just to kind of revisit this one, this was a year after the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake debacle. And you can tell that it's a year after just because of the the muted aspect of it. Paul McCartney. He's wearing legendary a long sleeve sir, shirt. Yeah, he's the wearing least a sexy. <laughs> and he's not letting anyone touch him in any naughty bit areas. But I did think that this one was cool. You know, it was Paul McCartney sitting on a stage, as we mentioned, the screens. It was in a like a plus form with him just sitting in the middle the whole time and 
stuff would play on the screens. It was tamer than if we look at like the Katy Perry ones and stuff like that. But there was something quite nice about it, I thought. I thought the card stunt at the end with uh, the, the crowd holding up the na-na-nas during Hey Jude. Hey, yeah, the Hey Jude part was amazing. And he actually held his mic out to the audience and they sang it. It was just like a show. I mean, Hey Jude, come on. It's one of, it's one of the greatest songs written of all time. It's awesome. You reach your hand into the bag for a McCartney set list and you pull out four bangers. That's the reality of it. You could go, well, maybe instead of Drive My Car, you play Back in the USSR. Or, I mean, they're, they're right. obviously not going to play that at the Super Bowl, but it, it could be any number of songs. Is it Yesterday? Is it Blackbird? Is it a million 100%. others? And I like that he played guitar. He played piano. I mean, he he played. I mean, he really went to town on the guitar, too. I mean, so it was like classic, legendary Sir Paul McCartney, you know, just right there. At the other end, I would say, of the of the scale in terms of spectacle and sexuality, Shakira and J-Lo. This is the Shakira, longest set list. Shakira. Shakira performs Dare, La La La, She-Wolf, the orchestral intro to Kashmir, Empire, Oyos Asi, whatever, whatever performs I Like It with Bad Bunny. She performs Shantaye with Bad Bunny. And then she plays, oh, hips don't lie, hips don't, hips don't lie. And then <laughs> J-Lo, <Nailed> <laughs> J-Lo performs Jenny from the Block, Ain't It Funny, Get Right, Waiting for Tonight. And then with J Balvin does Booty, Que Calor, El Anillo, Love Don't Cost a Thing, and Mi Gente. And then on the floor. And then every... It, uh, you then get a mashup of Let's Get Loud and Born in the USA. Yet once uh, with J-Lo wearing the American flag and Puerto Rican flag. Again, people misunderstanding the meaning behind that song. And then it closes with Waka Waka, this time for Africa. That was the show. I was fully erect for most <laughs> of this performance. Shakira is a smoke show and her hips don't lie. So what do you want? I mean, what do you want, huh? You want to date Shakira? J-Lo's like fucking 50 dancing around a pole. Yep. And like- She looked great. Yes, she Dutch winks left, right, and center. There was twerking. There was ass shots. This was even more sexual, I think, than the nipple gate. Yep. 100%. And there was some neat moments in it. Um, Shakira did crowd surfing at one point, which was which was cool. The J-Lo that doing- That unplanned- her yeah. crowd surfing because she's trying to sing and can't and then just drops back so yeah. i didn't i didn't see it coming but it it was very it was a cool moment j-lo like you mentioned she was what was she 53 total fucking 10 i'm pretty sure she's a vampire i mean she looked great and then she was doing this pole dancing and you had all these dancers reaching for her it was a really neat scene because she's like above them and they're all like mm scrambling for her it made for a good visual and then at one point Shakira's playing drums for J-Lo was she really playing them yeah I don't know but I don't think so it didn't, so. didn't look like she'd sat behind the kit too much <laughs> yeah that's right uh, world's greatest detective Shakira 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 watch out what do you do with that jam I thought this was fantastic and not just them yep but their performance, it was so high energy. It was like a celebration of Latin culture. Tremendous. I've got a react I've got reactions here because why not? It says here the reaction was more uh, was more negative, particularly among conservative and Christian audiences. 
Uh, this person of townhall.com commented, if it was a mix of hypersexual entertainment with a bonus political statement you were looking for in Super Bowl 54's halftime show, then 2020's big game didn't disappoint. Evangelist Franklin Gordon said the performance was showing young girls that sexual exploitation of women is, women is okay. And uh, Jeannie, Jean, Man- F. Mancini, president of an anti-abortion rally, March for Life, said the show was embarrassing for everyone she was uh, embarrassing for everyone she was with, looking away, etc. And in USA Today op-ed, Gil Smart stated, the show should have come with a parental warning and that to some, the show was a joyful Miami-infused explosion of dance and high-energy music that got you out of your seat. To others, it looked a lot like softcore porn. Me thinks the lady doth protest too much. This is like the preacher in Santa's sleigh uh, talking about how horrible the strip club was. Yeah, I mean, as someone that is a parent, there is a massive sexualization that goes on in music. And sometimes it's completely unnecessary. A lot of what was done in this, there was that. Of course, there was that. I mean, they're pop stars. You know, that's that's what they do. But there was a lot of like classic dancing in here. There was a lot of Hispanic representation dancing in this as well. Just the fact that essentially the whole show was a Hispanic representation was pretty cool. We haven't seen that before in a Super yep. Bowl. I don't think we've seen it since to that degree where this that's what this was. And that was neat. I, I did think that they're going a little far. J-Lo on the pole? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe you could have an argument for that if your kids are watching it. And they're like, I want to get a pole, mommy. <laughs> You're like, no, nope, that's just for J-Lo. I could see that, but a lot of times these people that jump into these forums are way overreaching. They're way bent out of shape. There was nothing in here that was inappropriate by any means. It was definitely sexy, but it, I, I didn't think it crossed the line into inappropriate either. I think if you're worried that this is going to damage your child's mind, then you've got other things to worry about. So for me, it's Shakira and J-Lo advancing. <sighs> And uh, unfortunately, Sapol misses out. I'm fine with that. I mean, what sucks is if I were to actually sit down and say which halftime show would I rather be at, I'd rather be at the Paul McCartney one. 100%. But best team wins it on the day, I think. Yeah, I'm okay with that. You no, know, the, the Super Bowl halftime show is not played on paper. <laughs> Next up, we have a clash of two bosses. We have Diana the Boss Ross and Bruce the Boss Springsteen. From Super Bowl 30 and Super Bowl 43, again, the iconic Miss Ross is in a a different era, I think, to Bruce, despite being musical contemporaries. Let's start with her. She basically, she performs a medley of all her hits, one after another, and leaves in a helicopter. Performs, stop in the name of love, you keep me hanging on, baby love, you can't hurry love, why do fools fall in love? Chain reaction, reach out and touch somebody's hand, ain't no mountain high enough, I will survive, take me higher which is to what she leaves in the helicopter. What do you what did you think of this performance by Diana Ross? So this was the 30th anniversary to the Super Bowl. So this this was a pretty played up Super Bowl. Uh, got a lot of attention. I respect Diana Ross. I mean, the Supremes were awesome. Love Child is a banger. Stop in the name of love, everyone knows it. Um you can't hurry love in like a sea of songs of heartache. That is like one of the best advice mm. songs ever written. So that'd probably be my favorite of of the Supremes era. I'm not a big Motown person. Um, I mentioned that earlier. 
My mother and grandmother love the Supremes though. So it has a lot of sentimental value to me. Performance wise, I find this a little hard to compete with the others. I think she did really good. But again, it you're looking earlier. It's 1996. There was a lot of people on the field. There was a lot of dancers. It did feel a little chaotic to me. And I th- I thought the performance was was okay. I just wasn't when I watched this, I wasn't overly invested in it. How about you? I do I do quite like Diana Ross. I think she is the diva by which all others measure themselves and fall disgracefully short. Agreed. Incredible songbook, fantastic performer. However, she bends over, pulls her legs apart, and delivers a steaming hot turd here. Yep. I think it's part of it is the era, part of it is the acoustics. She's just not good. Yeah, it just the performance falls short. I think it there was things that were trying to be done during this. And uh, you mentioned it earlier. At the very end, a helicopter comes down, she gets in it and is taken away. I found it weird. It didn't feel like it fit with the theme. It just was really kind of bizarre. I feel like someone had that idea and they forced it into this performance. I suspect it might have been Diana Ross. (laughs) A helicopter will take me away. I mean, you could say that's iconic in a way. Unfortunately, this would be a, I need to get another beer and go to the bathroom halftime show for me. Just with the way it was running. Yeah. You know? It was kind of sad to see someone who is- as amazing as she is, not not at her best. I feel you could say the same about Bruce here. Mm. I feel like he's trying hard, but he might have been unwell or something. His voice is giving him nothing. So Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band performed 10th Avenue Freeze Out, which was their opener at the time, Born to Run, Working on a Dream, and Glory Days. In Glory Days, changes Speedball to that Hail Mary pass. <laughs> Yep. You get a, an intro from bo- players from both teams doing the uh, the iconic E Street Band intro that we uh, we did off the top there. What did you think of this performance? So, yeah, I could say that I agree with you in the sense that I don't think it was Springsteen at his best singing. I do think we did get some proper Springsteen as far as his performance, though. I mean, the camera yep. shots were classic. He's you know, losing his mind, sliding on the stage. We get this like one camera angle from the stage and you get his like crotch sliding into you. You know, the crowd was just losing their mind too. So there was a lot of good energy around the stage. This was very much a concert style as opposed to Mm -hmm. the other ones that have a lot going on. It was just a, a very illuminated stage. And then, yeah, like you said, there was some fun things. Like during glory days, it's like, it's quitting time. No, it's penalty time. No, it's delay a game. And then a ref comes out on stage and he looks like he throws a penalty. And then, of course, you know, it's it's boss time. So there was- Damn right, little Stevie. <laughs> I don't think that this was probably his best performance, but I enjoyed watching it. I did. He is giving it everything. Like absolutely everything. I think probably between him and McCartney, though, of the legacy acts, they're the ones that sort of put everything they have into that performance. I think he knows that he's not 100% and he's trying to fight through it. Yep. I don't love the set list. I know like Springsteen fans will, will tell you like there are songs that are the ones you want to hear live versus the ones that people know. Sure. Obviously, you got to play Born to Run. Obviously, you got to play Glory Days. I think they'll work fine. 
I love Tenth Avenue Freeze Out. I understand why they open with it. Yeah, but I think there there could have been other choices. I mean, a bit of Dancing in the Dark or No Surrender or Promised Land or something like that that could have just been like bang, 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 bang for absolute killers. I don't think you can do Thunder Road and Born to Run. Like, you can't just keep shitting on New Jersey the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I wanted to like it more than I did, but you can't fault Bruce. Plus, sure. uh, the big man's still alive. He's still hitting the uh, hitting the notes on the sax. So. He's the boss, you know? And is it my understanding is correct? You know, Springsteen is obviously very big in America. It's my understanding that his number two country- is Australia. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Like, I think it's, you know, it's America number one and the number two is Australia. Like, he went double platinum there, you know, all sorts of hits just off the charts in, in Australia, too. So I thought that was kind of cool. My dad, who has terrible taste in music and, in fact, terrible taste in certainly modern, not modern music, just totally ignorant of anything post 1970, has born in the USA. <laughs> so <laughs> that makes sense. That all adds up. That's how big he uh, is. I'm I'm seeing him later this year. I'm I cannot wait. Oh, you're seeing you're seeing Springsteen mm, this summer. Good on you. Good on you. I I assume we're we're putting him through. Yeah, I mean these are both more underwhelming performances in the sense, but I would say just from the energy and the lineup and just it being more classic Springsteen, I I feel that he should probably get the nod going forward. Next up is a, a Springsteen-esque figure and a Diana Ross-esque figure here in Tom Petty versus Madonna. Ooh, is that where we're at right now? Hmm. Both Patriots Super Bowls yep. from memory. Tom Petty's Super Bowl performance in 07, well, 08 from the 07 season, etched into my mind. He's given it your, your proper Tom Petty. As a man who has hits- he has fucking hits. He has hits. And he's got, you know, great album tracks as well, like Honey Bee, to come out and just go, you know what we're going to do? American Girl, I Won't Back Down, Free Fall and Running Down a Dream. Beautiful. Bang, 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 bang. Beautiful, beautiful. Six Degrees of Separation with Free Fall and back to- uh, Jerry Maguire episode Jerry Maguire podcast. Yep. And opening with American Girl makes sense. A lot of times in these Super Bowls, you get that American song. And American Girl's, it's, it's a classic. I mean- Born to Run, all these things. It's just, it's an American iconic song. I think there's some bands and certainly the ones that are just touring acts now and obviously Tom's Dear Departed. When they have that opening song that the fans know, you know, you go into the concert, you know that Kiss are going to open with. Once Upon a Time it was Juice, now it's Detroit Rock City. Right. You know that Bruce is going to open with 10th Avenue Freeze Out or Rosalita. And I think Tom Petty had been opening with American Girl from the point where it was his first big hit. Yeah. And the opening riff is fantastic, straight up. This is what I think McCartney was lacking is that song that just gets people going straight away. And the opening of American Girl really is that. Do you like the full version performances from the Legacy Acts versus the medleys from bands that have maybe more hits? Well, not more hits, but shoehorn one into another. I think there's something to be said from doing that little mashup. I always think it's neat. I always like to see how they do those transitions. But fuck, man, a good song's a good song. And if I can hear the whole good song, I'm I'm down with that. I am a Tom Petty fan. I like Tom Petty. I mean, I don't get into his deep cut stuff as much. But, you know, if you put on the best of Tom Petty, I can just listen to that thing straight through. He was a great artist and really 
he was super popular, but I think he was kind of underrated for what he is. This yep. show particularly, there was nothing really special about it. It starts off, it's in the dark, and you see these this light line of the Tom Petty heart and a guitar. It's very, very basic. The audience rushes the stage, which I always like it when they do that at these shows. They like hold them back until until the artist comes on. Yep. So I think that was a plus. Then it was just a concert show. But as you mentioned, it was just like hit after hit after hit. I think I'm probably a little biased just because I like Tom Petty, but I I enjoyed it. I watched through it. What'd you think? Loved it. Tom Petty's like Italian, fine Italian cooking because the simplicity of Italian food or well-made Italian food is what makes it fantastic. It's few ingredients, cooked to perfection, delivers all the flavor. And that's what Petty is. He's not a good looking dude, but- he can sing, he can write a song. That's it. Yeah. He never pretends to be more than he is. He never, you know, he's mm. just Tom Petty. He's just a cool dude, a good musician. And he's, that's what he delivers every time. You know, you're not going to hear anything. We- well, you know, I mean, he's passed on since now, but he never heard anything weird about Petty. He was never trying to do anything. It was just Tom Petty. You know, he's the, this is the type of halftime show that I would love to sit down and be there for. I mean, I talked about the traveling Wilburys off the top and you have Bob Dylan, iconic in his own right. George Harrison, the guitarist from the the greatest band ever. Roy Orbison, iconic voice, the biggest male singer, probably other than Elvis of his generation. And Jeff Lynne, who was incredible songwriter, uh, incredible musician, incredible producer. And Tom Petty, like the young guy. They were like, yeah, this is the guy. Yep. Hanging out with all of them that they were like, yeah, he's the young guy that we want to be part of the that super group. He is he's fantastic. It's a fantastic performance. Madonna. First of all, what do you think of Madonna? Second of all, what did you think of her performance? Mm, that's interesting. I guess if we look at Michael Jackson as the king of pop, Madonna could certainly hold that title of queen of pop. The performances that we talk about with Katy Perry and Lady Gaga they're really all just newer versions of Madonna. Madonna's been doing this since the 80s. She paved the way for that style of pop performance from from the female caliber. So I don't, I, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say my actual opinion on Madonna because she gets into a lot of different stuff. Like whenever she's on the news about something, I'm always like, Madonna. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> but this performance, I thought, like everyone talks about how good J-Lo looked. I mean, Madonna did this when she was 54. This was in 2012. She looked great. She was dancing with the other dancers and not skipping a beat. So I think with the show, when you look at it in these the pop lens, I do think that she delivers a good pop show. It's not, It's not really my bag. I think you can probably tell from the way that I'm talking about it and working around that conversation. But what do you think of Madonna? I have a lot of respect for Madonna, but I am not really a Madonna fan. But like a lot of these artists, you give me the hits and they are fantastic. Her set list is Vogue and then she does music, party rock anthem, sexy and I know it with LMFAO. That's the fucking era we're in. Madonna, one of the greatest performers of all time, is on with LMFAO. (laughs) Right. Seven Degrees of Separation, this very episode, uh, Red Foo is the son of uh, Barry Gordy, the founder of Motown. Very good. We mentioned the screen being the floor thing. And I think at this point, this is when she did it, multiple people had done it at this point. 
Hers was very cool too. Like when she had Vogue, her screen was right in front of her. That was really cool. And she had all the Vogue covers like popping up from the magazine and they were sinking in while they were dancing. So it was aesthetically like a really cool performance. Absolutely. Um, she also does Gimme uh, Give Your Eleven with Nicki Minaj and MIA. MIA uh, flipped the bird at the camera. Nicki Minaj. And the NFL pseudo. Open your heart and express yourself with CeeLo Green, then like a prayer with CeeLo Green. I think all the guests were totally unnecessary, but I did quite like CeeLo Green in uh, Like a Prayer. It was almost just like, uh, okay, I'm here. It was just kind of like showing up like, hey, guys, I'm CeeLo and I'm here. (laughs) There's this sort of mixed motif with Madonna. She comes out as sort of like hybrid. I suppose it's a Cleopatra type figure when you've got the Egyptian motif and ancient Roman and all very theatrical, as you would expect from her. So, like, the opening is really cool. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Choreography was fantastic. The stagecraft was fantastic. I just didn't think she needed the other performers with her, and I thought that detracted from her performance. Yeah, they were very sidekicky. whereas we have these other shows where we're saying, okay, it was Timberlake and Janet Jackson, and, you know, they all had equal stage time. This was a Madonna show. And then Nicki Minaj Mm. would show up for like, I mean, she wasn't even in there that long. She sang a couple lines and then poof, she's gone. And then CeeLo's there. He's singing a couple lines. And so it definitely was her show. At the end, she disappears in this like puff of steam. I thought that was kind of cool. This like explosion of smoke and she's gone uh, like a magician. Or a ninja. I thought others had done it better, but you're right. It was still it was a cool ending. It was, cool. it was like the reverse Michael Jackson almost. Right. So who are we putting through here? Is it Madonna or Tom Petty? It, for me, I'm a bit biased here. I, I enjoyed the Tom Petty one more. And maybe it's just because I like the music, but he hit the set list. I sat through it and I enjoyed it. What would you say? It's a tough one because you have technical proficiency versus stagecraft and showmanship. I'm going to put Tom Petty through because I enjoyed it more, but- there's, there's no doubt it wasn't as good a show. Yeah. This is probably a bias pick on both of our ends, just because we enjoy Tom Petty. There's no one else here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because Madonna, in respect to her, did put on a good show. Always has. I mean, she's Madonna. So we, we see some of our old friends again. This time we have the Blues Brothers. We don't need to talk about them. Up against Super Bowl 56, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick Lamar. Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and Fiddy Scent. Going back to watch this one blew me away a second time. I have the I have the same note. When I watched it live on Super Bowl, I didn't care for it. And full disclosure, I like Dr. Dre. I like Snoop. I like Eminem. Like I legitimately like all da, 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 da. <laughs> right. I never like 50 Cent, but I like I really genuinely like all those other rappers, those hip hop artists. I thought it was much more impressive on Super Bowl. Uh, I'm sorry. I thought it was much more impressive on YouTube than it was Super Bowl day. I totally agree. I, I thought I enjoyed it at the Super Bowl. I was like, this is really cool. And then obviously everyone's like, oh, it's the greatest of all, it's the greatest of the greatest. I was like, yeah, you've been prisoners at the moment a little bit. You know, this is just music you like. Watching this again, I was like, no, this is, this is really good. There were so many artists, but it all felt like they all had their own identity. They could all breathe within it. They all had long enough. Like, it's not like the Aerosmith NSYNC when we've got people coming in and out or whatever. It was so clever how they transitioned through the set to all the different artists, even old fat ass 50 Cent hanging upside down. 
The only thing that I didn't think was required was Eminem. Mm. And it's weird because I, I like Eminem. And it's weird that he's never headlined the Super Bowl show because he was the biggest artist in the world. Agreed. Yes, he's not exactly family-friendly material. Sure. But I thought he was a bit superfluous. I think also part of the problem is as well is there was such a big buildup to Eminem that when they finally did the M reveal, it was underwhelming. And he did lose mm. yourself, which makes sense for a Super Bowl. Like, look, no matter how much that song is overplayed, it is a pump up song. Like, even if you don't like it, you know, as far as the Eminem catalog, I'm not putting on Lose Yourself. It's just, it's mm. something that's so played, but it's so appropriate for that. But he was kind of underwhelming. You know, it was like this big thing, like poof. And it's like, okay, well, there's Eminem. And then he just, Kind of does this thing. I wasn't overly impressed by it. So I think you're right in mm. that sense. What I thought was cool was like Dr. Dre for me is the headliner. Yep. He is the puppet master. He's the the Nick Fury bringing everyone together. And he lets them all have their own space. He's like seamlessly ducking in and out with Snoop. And then it finishes with still Dre. Yeah. And it's like, the, yeah, I'm still the fucking big dog. Yeah. As a child of the 90s hearing like, forgot about Dre on the Super Bowl and hearing all that, like when he, the second he started jumping on the piano with the dun, 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 I was like, oh, it was just, it was great. It was a really good moment. You know, I think the staging was neat watching it on video. I don't think it translated well to a large stadium because, and I, no, and I think that was kind of my issue with it when I was watching it. It looks so small. And the concept was cool. It had a good music video feel. It did not have a good concert feel. To me, it did not look yep. like a good concert. But as a music video, like I said on YouTube, when they're going down in the house and you see Snoop Dogg starts to kick in in the background, he has his portrait, like the morphing into the, the Doberman. I love that. Mm. It, was, it was very cool. But again... I could see it kind of the mindset of Dre, who probably pulled most of this together. I'm sure he had influences from the other artists there, but being more like, this is how I'd put together a music video rather than a show. Yeah. I thought it was incredible. Obviously, it's going ahead over the Blues Brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 90 Kids Unite. <laughs> now we have Super Bowl 36 U2 up against Aerosmith and NSYNC. Now, this is another one that is culturally significant. It was after the uh, September 11th terrorist attacks. Yep. YouTube plays Beautiful Day, MLK, and then Where the Streets Have No Name is the names of the people uh, who died in those attacks are shown behind the band. What do you think of YouTube generally? Yeah, I'll probably get flack for this. I have before. I am not the biggest YouTube fan. Uh, they, they just don't do it for me. I know a lot of people love them. Um, that's cool. I get it. Back in the day, I wanted to like you two more, you know, like everyone loves them. Why do I not like love this band? I just, they don't really do it for me. They have some good stuff and I can respect them for sure. What do you think of you two? I, I used to really like them. I think they've got a lot of really good songs, but they're like, they're, to me, they feel a bit like Queen. In the sense of like, yeah, they got good songs, but they're sort of like everyone's first band mm. that you like. 
and then you sort of progress on from them. And, you know, the streets have no names, fantastic, with or without you, pride in the name of love, New Year's Day, Sunday Bloody Sunday. Like, these are incredible songs. Mm. I also, I think, strangely, I think they're the right choice for the moment that they were chosen for. And I know there would have been a lot of pressure to choose an American artist, but I think sort of the symbolism of a band, well, they were the biggest band in the world at the time. Yeah. The symbolism of it being a, a band from another part of the world, sort of the, the we stand with America, but also a band that was born out of terrorist riddled island. Yep. So much of their music is political. So much of it is about peace and, you know, seeing the world through that lens of the troubles that I think there is probably a gravitas to them and an understanding of the situation of more than just blind patriotism. And so when Bono opens his jacket to reveal the American flag on the lining, it feels quite a, a powerful moment as opposed to- If Bruce Springsteen did it or something, or Kid Rock, right? Yeah, I was going to say Kid Rock and his American flag. Right. No, and it was powerful. You know, I mean, obviously they spend a ton of time in America. They have a lot of connections with America, but they're not from America. And you're right. I felt that that was very powerful. I think Streets Have No Name, when they played that, there was a very, very impressive display behind them that was just scrolling through the names of the people that were lost in 9-11. And it was, it was you felt the weight of it. It was huge. And it was, mm. it was just going the entire time. And that coupled with that song. And like you said, the culture of the band itself, you know, it, it was a moment. It was a memorable moment. It was an impressive moment. And I think they really nailed it. Yeah. And Streets Have No Name is like, it's an uplifting song whilst being sort of contemplative at the same time. And it builds from like the the opening, which is you know just the guitar, to obviously the crescendo at the end. I I think it was just the the perfect performance for that moment. Um, for me, obviously they go ahead over Aerosmith and NSYNC. Hundred percent. Yep, I agree. We're getting down to the line here, huh? Thank fuck. We're like two hours in. <laughs> Next up, and I think this one is a toughie: Super Bowl Fifty One Lady Gaga versus. Super Bowl 27, Michael Jackson. Uh, Lady Gaga performs God Bless America, This Land is Your Land. First ever use of synchronized drones on TV. Oh. Poker Face, Edge of Glory, Born This Way, Telephone, Just Dance, Million Reasons, and Bad Romance. Consummate performer. Puts on a great show. Theatrical, sings, the songs are good. Do you see the guy's round piano who's playing all around him? Yep. I have this down as the best football play is her jumping, catching the ball, jumping or jumping off, catching the ball and disappearing at the end of Me the show. Me too. That's the one I wrote down. I had, <laughs> so there was really only two football plays, I think, in here. It's the Springsteen when the ref comes out and throws the fake flag. But at the end, she jumps off and in midair, someone tosses her a football and she catches it and gone. Then she's gone. And that's, mm. that's how it ends. It was a really good ending. Also. The one of the great Super Bowls. It was two, you know twenty eight three back to New England winning, etched in my mind for so many ways. But 
going back to watch this again, just incredible. An incredible Super Bowl show to the point where I think as good as that, well, as good as the ending of the game was, the game itself a bit of a, a trash bag until the third quarter. Now, I don't just say as a Patriots fan, it is a very one-sided. It's a game of two one-sided games. Yeah, the game was was pretty boring up until the end, if, if I'm going to be honest. But then the end was an, an iconic football game. I mean, that was nuts. The end was almost as good as the best parts of this performance, is how I would describe it. Interesting. And she didn't lip sync in I, this as well, which was impressive. No. You know, a lot of- Fa- Famously doesn't lip sync. Yep. And a lot of pop stars do. So probably a lot of others that we've already mentioned, I'm sure, were lip syncing during it. You can tell she doesn't, and she does things to show that she doesn't. She'll talk in the middle of where mm. she should have lines. She was talking with the crowd. She did get down with the crowd. And her cult following is, you know, they're like- nuts over her like they you know it's like the old videos that you see of the Beatles of like people crying and stuff it's like arm in arm with a crowd member yep. finishing one of her songs apparently an incredibly lovely woman mm. but all the people who work for her assholes really but I, I thought this was just incredible absolutely incredible from start to finish this is going to be a tough one I think she goes through over Michael Jackson you think so Oof. I think so my problem is uh, number one it's Michael Jackson and how iconic that Michael Jackson Super Bowl was. Now, obviously, it's dated in comparison to Lady Gaga, but it really changed the face of Super Bowl shows. And it's MJ. I think in a lot of ways, Michael Jackson walked so Lady Gaga could run. I think there is mm-hmm. coaching DNA, if we talk about a, a, a pop royalty coaching tree. Yep. Direct lines from Jacko to- Lady Gaga. However, I think this performance was just so much better. I don't think she would have the presence to be able to stand there and command the crowd for two minutes, Mm. but she owned that arena as a, I suppose, a female pop artist with a large, I guess, queer connection, queer following. To do that in an environment that is so anti that in so many ways. Mm. And I'm sure there are plenty of people, the same sort of people who, you know, would have been posting after the the Dr. Dre Snoop one of, oh, the NFL just lost a fan today. I think she was just so incredible, and I was so blown away by it. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah. See, if I, w- I would cast my vote for MJ just due to the sense of that. I, I do think that Lady Gaga- Like, I wonder what Michael Jackson's show would be if it was in 2016. You know what I mean? Instead of 1993. But I get your point. And if that- I I will concede to that. If that is if you feel strongly about it, I'm in. I will throw my lot in there because you are right in the sense it was a phenomenal show. She did really really well. There's nothing I can say about that show negatively at all. It was a perfection of performance. And that's it. And I thought there was a, a bit of filler in the Michael Jackson, not just him standing. I I didn't like his set list as much. If you had Pete Michael Jackson, if you put together the Michael Jackson version of the Lady Gaga show, no one is touching it. Yeah. But he didn't. Should have played Thriller. And speaking of stage presence, we have Prince up against Janet Jackson. Well, let's say up against Kid Rock featuring Janet Jackson. (laughs) Prince performs We Will Rock You, Let's Go Crazy, 1999, Baby I'm a Star, Proud Mary, All Along the Watchtower, Best of You, and then Purple Rain famously in the pouring rain uh, when they were worried about him 
I uh, said, do you want to go and perform? Is there anything we can do? He said, could you make it rain any harder? Yeah. Does the guitar dick thing behind the sheet? Yeah, there was a giant sheet that flowed up behind him and you see a silhouette. And then he, he prints, princes out. He does. I think you could maybe make a case that Purple Rain is the best song ever performed at a Super Bowl. It's a good song. Yeah. I think out of this list, it's maybe that or Hey Jude. Mm. Yep. Sacrilegious. I think this is an overrated performance as well. No, I, I wouldn't disagree. I wouldn't disagree with that. Just to set the stage, well, literally, it was a, the stage was a giant symbol. It was Prince's symbol, the giant symbol. Mm. And then you had it start off, there's thunder and lightning. They did the audience Russian thing, which I've already said. I love that. I love it when it happens. I love to see it. <laughs> The marching band came out on both sides and they had lights all on their outfits. There was pyrotechnics. That was cool. You know, he did no lip syncing in the rain while wearing heels. So there's there's respect there. <laughs> He's the conf- consummate performer in the same way that Mick Jagger is. Correct. Or Michael Jackson or Lady Gaga or Madonna. Right. It's that level S tier stage presence. I love Let's Go Crazy. I didn't love this version of it. Yep, I agree. Also, Dave Grohl says the proudest moment of his musical career is that Prince covered Best of You at the Super Bowl. He did that Hendrix-style playing guitar in there. Yep, for All Along the Watchtower. When the Foos were still up and coming, they would often have a live version of Prince's Dear Nicky, and they wanted to put it on an album and asked for permission from Prince. And his response was, dearly beloved, I think you should probably write, uh, bands should play their own songs. And if that's your position, you don't play three fucking covers <laughs> at the Super Bowl. Proud Mary, banger. All along the Watchtower, banger. Best of you, banger. Sing your own fucking songs, Prince. <laughs> right. Especially from a band that wanted to cover one of your songs, you're going to tell them no and then cover their song, Prince. He's a, he was a weird guy. Oh, big time. Not a very nice man. Hell of a performance. I will say one of the cool things is Prince was trying to get out of his contract and, well, I guess I should have started with, Prince changed his name to a symbol. And and what I found out about that was, was he had contract issues. People wouldn't let him out of his contract. So it's like they were saying, you can't do things under the name Prince. We own the name Prince. Hmm. And he's like, okay, well, now my name is this. It's a squiggly symbol. And everyone just referred to him as the artist formerly known as Prince. And when that first came out, I was like, that is so dumb that he's doing that. But then when I heard the backstory, I'm like, "Uh, that's pretty rad. That's a pretty cool move. I'm not going to change my name. I'm going to be this. And you're going to have to refer to me as something. So you refer to me as the artist that was Prince. I I do like Prince. He's got lots of songs. A lot of them are very sexual. Which explains why he's not playing it. I know what it's about, but you couldn't play like Little Red Corvette. Yeah. You couldn't play Kiss. We couldn't even play Pro 1999. Yeah. yeah. Instead, you're playing yep. Proud Mary or Long Watch at Best of You. So, Purple Rain in the Rain, fantastic. However, I think he advances over Janet Jackson and Kid Rock. Oh, again, performance was crap on that one, but it was the boob iconic. Yeah, let's advance him. Let's go, Prince. The iconic boob only takes you so far <laughs> the when bracket. the rest of the performance is so bad. It was a bit. Yeah, it was a bad performance. We're down to the the last, the elite eight here. Let's do it. Dre, Snoop, etc. versus Tom Petty. Oh, this one's killing me. This one absolutely kills me because those are all people I like. 
Um, whereas some of these other ones, I don't as much. I'm rolling it around. I didn't know it would get down to this. Who do you got on this one? As much as I want it to be petty, I think it's the Dre performance. I like everything about it. It was, it was more theatric. It was more of a show. As good as petty was, this was. Yeah, it was a it performance. It was creative. Yeah. No, I agree. Because Petty, it, it was a show. It was a good show. Bit of a bit of a bummer of a matchup here. You two versus Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> These are getting hard. I'm going to have to go U2. I think it's U2 as well. As much as I enjoyed Bruce more and like Bruce more. U2 is so iconic. I think there is an element, and it's not like they were bad. No, not at all. They were good and iconic, yep. unlike- some of the others. Lady Gaga versus J-Lo and Shakira. I think this this is like when you get a real good matchup in the first week of the playoffs. You're like, mm, that could have been the Super Bowl. Yeah. Gaga for me. Gaga for me as well. Sorry, Shakira. And Prince versus Katy Perry. See, it's interesting because if either of these two were mixed in with the other ones, I could see taking the other ones. Yeah, I think they both advance over U2 and Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. But that's not how the draw worked out, so sucked yep. in. Um, let's go Katy Perry, I think, for me. I thought you might have gone Prince. I was probably leaning. I'm really on the fence with this. I am too. I am too. Because I think Purple Rain is the best song, and I think Purple Rain is the best performance. In the rain. And I can't job Prince for not singing his own songs when Katy Perry, you know, Max Martin, hell of a songwriter. And she had help from Mary J. Blige. Uh, not Mary J. Blige, Missy Elliott. It was fun, though. Katy Perry was more of a- a show, but Prince is the artist. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's where the con Prince is in also the artist formerly known as Prince. <laughs> he sure is. And see now I'm kind of leaning the other way a little bit. I think I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's I'm gonna say it's Prince just on the strength of that purple, purple rain. rain in the rain. Agreed. As much as I love Katy Perry, but also knowing that neither of them is gonna get past Gaga. So is that next? Lady Gaga or Prince? Yeah, Gaga. Gaga for me. And the other one is Dr. Dre, et cetera, versus U2. And this this is just, it's it's Dre, right? It's Dre. It's Dre and crew. Both of them are such a vibe of of that time. The California Super Bowl, all of it was on brand for what it was. It was the party atmosphere. It was hip hop. You know, U2 putting the finger on the pulse and, and essentially delivering in a spot where you have nothing to gain. Yeah. But it's Dre. It's Dre. Because I never need to see a U2 performance ever again, but I would go back and watch that. Agreed. Which leaves us with Dre, Snoop, etc. versus Gaga for the greatest halftime performance of all time. That's super tough. Oh, that's super tough. I have an answer in my head, and I don't like the answer that I have in my head. How about we do three, two, one, say it. Okay. Three, two, one. Gaga. Gaga. <laughs> yeah. But see, it's that's a super tough one for me. It's like my instinct of what I like. See, I'm not a I'm not a Gaga fan as far as the music. Like I don't listen to Lady Gaga. I respect her and I, I will certainly say her songs are super catchy. Like I'm not mad at it if it's on and I'm somewhere. And I genuinely like like Dre and Eminem and so that's tough for me. But her performance was it was great. You know, it really was. Watching it, it was pretty incredible. I have songs from every single one of those artists in high rotation in my playlist and yep. zero Lady Gaga. Yep. Same. So the people listening can understand we are, we're not doing it out of bias here. Telephone, poker face, 
Born This Way, Bad Romance, they are catchy fucking songs. They are. And they are. Like, you you hear them and unlike I find a lot of pop, you hear them and you don't want to turn it off immediately. Right. Like, there's so many songs you're just like, that is just- I can't tell you how many times I'll, I've referenced those songs, like, in a joke or something. You know what I mean? There's just times all the time. Like, even you look at, like, the South Park where he's like, Pook a face, pop, pook a face. It's a great scene. I always I always do a joke where I sing, um, I want your love and I want your romance. Me and you are like a pair of pants. <laughs> and I say every single time someone's like, that's not the lyrics. That's not how it goes. Like, yeah, I know. So that's it. That's we did it. it. We, we, we did, did it. it. We made it to the end. Why don't you tell the good people where they can find you and get the fuck out of here? If you want to see me on social media, you can go to Twitter and get me at Justin underscore B. Or if you want to check out some web and design work or need some web and design work, go to justin-b.com. And you can find the show at Screen Pass Podcast on Instagram. You can drop us an email if you have suggestions, questions. Tell us to go fuck ourselves at uh, screenyoulater at gmail.com. You can follow 32-bit so you never miss an episode from us or any of our friends over there on Twitter. That's at 30-T-W-O-B-I-T. You can follow me at Sheehan Solo on Twitter, although... I gotta say, I've I've had it up to pussy's bow with the big blue bird at the moment. So I don't know. Follow me. I don't care. Justin, get us out of here. Sus, sus, sus. Screen you later. Sus, screen you later.